Hey, uh, those joining us online, I love you guys. I thank God for you. If you're with us for the first time, man, we are delighted uh, that God has brought you. I believe that he has maneuvered and orchestrated, not just in the life of those who are here for the first time, but everybody in this room, everybody online. He has arranged for you to be in his presence, that he can speak over your life, that he can cover your life with his love, his goodness, his favor. And I'm just glad you said yes and you showed up. Um, I smell weird. So those of you that uh, didn't get a handshake or a hug, just be grateful. Um, I did use deodorant today, but I baptized somebody in the last service and I came up out of the water wondering if maybe the deodorant washed off and I smelled like chlorine. And then, so I went back to my office. I don't have deodorant there, but I used extra aftershave <laughs> and another Altoid. And then I came back into worship and put my hand down and somebody spilled coffee. So I smell like a, somebody that's really been sweating in a barbershop, coffee shop kind of deal <laughs> with extra aftershave. So <laughs> I love you guys. Um, Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, grab one of these invitation cards on your way out and uh, invite your friends uh, back to the egg hunt deal next week and to worship and then to our Christmas uh, service. Christmas. Uh, this is what happens when you get old. Uh, invite people back to our Easter uh, services. God is... God is so good. And I want to invite you, my Debbie and I would be delighted to have you here with us on our first Wednesday worship. And man, if you need a breakthrough in any area of your life, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, wherever you need a breakthrough, the pathway is praise. So come and join us on Wednesday. Deb and I, we need our breakthroughs. You need yours. And come, let's come before the presence of God together and worship him and let him break through into our lives with his favor. Let's pray about it right now if you'd join me, please. Father, we're here to hear from you, to experience you, your love profoundly in a deeply personal way. Would you please facilitate that for us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, did you get to see the slap heard around the world this week? Yeah, Chris Rock, Will Smith. You know, um, social media went nuts. It was like a feeding frenzy. It was like everybody on the planet was reacting. I mean, other Hollywood types reacted. Professional athletes <laughs> reacted. Every butcher baker and candlestick maker were reacting. And this is why Jesus does not have a Facebook page or an Instagram account. Because you get reaction. And Jesus is not looking for your reaction. He's looking for your response. Um, and your response to him, I mean, it's for you and from you. My, I got my stuff, you got your stuff. He's looking for my personal response. He's looking for your personal response. Not, not reaction. There's a world of difference between response and reaction. You do reaction without thinking. But response means that you slow down, you stop. You think things through before you offer an appropriate 
behavior or words. And so Jesus doesn't want you to react to him. He wants you to respond to his greatness and trust him. He he, he wants you to trust in his goodness. He wants you to respond to his goodness and faith. He is full of mercy. He loves to show compassion. Talk about greatness. He made everything out of nothing, the earth, the sky, the sea, all that's in them out of nothing so that nothing is too difficult for Jesus. So I've just given you a pretty good definition of real faith. Let me show you. Real faith is responding with real trust. You trust that he's his greatness. There's nothing too hard for him. And you trust in his goodness, that he'll show you compassion, that he is full of mercy, that he will cover you with his love. Trust in the greatness of Jesus. Trust in the goodness of Jesus. Now to see how this plays out in reality, I wanna take you into a day in the life of Jesus. We've been moving through Mark's account of the life of Jesus, so let's go into a day, and here's the day from the word of God. Scripture says, a large crowd met Jesus at the seaside, and one of the meeting place leaders, this means this guy was a big dog in his town, meeting place leader named Jairus, he came, and another gospel tells us he came running. He is desperate, he is urgent, it's an emergency. Jairus came running, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his knees before him. Beside himself, he begged, and the force of the Greek verb is that he begged and begged and begged and begged, my dear daughter, she's breathing her last, last heartbeat, last moment of her life, my dear daughter is at death's door, come, please come, Jesus, please come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. Can, can you feel the desperation in this dad? So desperate that he leaves his dying daughter's side, not knowing when the last moment, last breath, last heart beat will be believing. He's got to get to Jesus. He's got to get Jesus to come to his house. He's got to get Jesus to touch her. Maybe there are people in your life, friends, coworkers, neighbors, family members, classmates that, that, that you would love, that, that you are desperate to see Jesus touch them. When, when was the last time you prayed a prayer of desperation, just begging God? One of the times for me was 44 years ago. My, my Debbie was in her first pregnancy. I don't know about today. Uh, maybe Brandon and Amy can tell me, but we did Lamaze back in the old days when dinosaurs roamed the nurseries. Um, but do you know what Lamaze is? You learn how to breathe through labor and you learn how to help your partner breathe. And in fact, Debbie goes into labor in the Lamaze class. And I'm like selling tickets. This is awesome. That's what it looks like. No, we get into the hospital. Once we get to the hospital, everything, everything, everything goes terribly wrong. It just seemed like the labor wouldn't end. And a nurse examines her and just runs out of the labor room. And the doctor, he bursts through the door. He examines Debbie. He says, we got to get this girl into surgery. She's in shock. We're going to lose both her and the baby. And so they usher me across the hall into an empty 
labor room and I'm just freaking out. I'm just a kid. And um, I lean my head against the door. There's a crucifix on the wall. My hands are on the door. And I just begin to cry out to God in desperation. Oh God, we, we, we need your help. Lord, Lord, I believe you are able to save my wife and my baby. Please, Lord. Lord, if you don't save the baby, please save my wife. Lord, if you don't save my Debbie, I'll still love you. I'll still serve you. I'll still, I'll still be your man. I found out something that you'll find out that that desperate dad Jairus found out. When you pray a desperate prayer for someone you love, you receive the very presence of Jesus. You may not get what you want. You may not get what you, I may not get what I asked for, but we get for sure the presence of Jesus when we pray for people that we love. And maybe you have those people in your life, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, that you are just desperate to see a change made in their lives. When you pray for them, you get the presence of Jesus. That's what happened to Jairus. Here's how the text goes on. Jesus went with him. Jesus was like, yeah, get up off your knees, man. Let's go. It's just that. The whole crowd was tagging along, pushing and jostling Jesus. Now, where Jairus had been filled with desperation, now he is driven by determination. He's got Jesus by the arm, got one hand around his back, got him by the arm, trying to haul him through this crowd. And it's like moving in slow motion, moving upstream against the current. But the delay, have you ever prayed and got delay? I mean, you felt like you needed it. You needed it right now, but, but you had to wait. Well, this delay gives another person an opportunity to respond to Jesus in faith. And she's sneaking up behind Jesus. She's not gonna bow. She's not gonna ask permission. She's just gonna touch him. Here's what happens. A, a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging she was bleeding, uncontrolled bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine 12 years of suffering and not getting well, 12 years of suffering and things getting worse, 12 years of suffering, feeling anemic, feeling weak, feeling faint. A long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly. Everything failed. All the remedies were just gross. They took all her money. Now she's not just sick, she's broke. And they made her worse off than before. But she had heard about Jesus. You, you see, she and Jairus, he's really, really rich. She's really, really poor. But they have two things in common. One is that their response in faith to Jesus is fueled by what they have heard about him. They've heard he's great. They've heard he is good. You see, Scripture says faith, your faith, my faith, their faith, comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, hearing about the good news of Jesus. So what they experienced way back then, 2,000 years ago, you're experiencing right now. You're hearing about the greatness of Christ, the goodness of Christ, and so your faith is on the grow. 
That's the first thing they had in common. The second thing was they had made a determination. They had decided that everything and everyone else had failed them. This desperate dad looks at his dying daughter and he thinks, only Jesus. This struggling, suffering woman considers her terrible, terminal illness and says, only, only Jesus. Friends, those two key words are so key to the miraculous. You see, in this day in the life of Jesus, he's gonna interact with a number of people. Some will respond to him in faith and they get miracles. I'll just be, a, I'll ruin the story just by telling you that. Others react and the reactionaries, the reactionaries get nothing, squat. Believing and speaking only Jesus, only Jesus. So I'm gonna have us say it together out loud. I want you to hear it with the sound of your own voice. We're gonna say it here. I want you to say it online. Um, when you leave and go home, if you're driving alone, just say that as you drive, only Jesus. For my pain, for, for that person I love, for their struggle, only Jesus. Maybe you go for a walk this afternoon and on your walk, you just keep saying it, only Jesus, only Jesus. When your head hits the pillow tonight, put yourself to sleep saying, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. Let's say it together. I'll say it, you say it after me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. One more time, only Jesus. We gotta get that burned in our soul, only Jesus. There are times, there are circumstances when all the money in the world ain't gonna make a difference. I love technology, I love medicine, I'm thankful for doctors. But sometimes it's only Jesus. Go to the doctor, take the medicine, take advantage of the technology, but turn to Jesus because only Jesus. So, so this, this woman, she's worming her way through the crowd, sneaking up behind Jesus. Here's the text. Mark goes on to write, she slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I'll get well. And the moment she did it, bam, just like that, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over. Not just that she had stopped the hemorrhaging. Jesus never did a partial miracle. I believe in that moment, she, where she had been weak, now she was strong. Where she had been anemic, now she is fully vital with all her blood restored. She knew her plague was over. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. This is huge, friends, because this moment is pointing us to the cross. In this moment, he weakens as she strengthens. The only way that she is gonna get stronger is as he gives her a portion of his strength. On the cross, friends, where Jesus suffered, bled, and died in the weakest possible condition, we gained life, not just life now, super abundant life now, and eternal life with God forever. This is a picture, Jesus being weakened that we might be strengthened. Your marriage, 
strengthened. Your, your mental health issues, strengthened and stronger to peace and hope. Your financial issues, strengthened. At that same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from me. He turned around to the crowd. I mean, he just stopped right in his track and asked, who touched my robe? Just got it back from the cleaners. Nah, he didn't say, who touched my robe? His disciples are, are you crazy? Are you nuts? What are you talking about? With all this crowd of people pushing, jostling you? You're asking who touched me? Dozens have touched you. We've seen two examples of responses in faith. Jairus and the woman. This is a reaction. As the woman thought, as Jairus thought, only Jesus, the disciples of Jesus are thinking, they size up the impossibility of this situation. All these people crushing around Jesus and they think not only Jesus, they think not even Jesus. Have you been there? Not even Jesus can save this marriage. Not even Jesus can get me out of these financial problems. Not even Jesus can save my job. Not even Jesus can get me well. Here's what you gotta know. Jesus, he gives miracles to those who respond in faith. He ignores those who react. And so it's like he didn't even hear them. It's like he didn't even see them, though they were right there by his side. His disciples had blurted out their doubt, their reaction. Here's what happened. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And the frightened woman, why is she frightened? Is she afraid she's gonna lose her miracle? Is she afraid because she did not bow before him? Is she afraid because she did not ask his permission? Is she afraid that she'll lose the miracle and the healing that she's received? Or some scholars say she's not Jewish. She's a non-Jewish woman because a Jewish woman would not be in a crowd. If she was bleeding, she'd be home because she would know she's unclean. Not in her home because she's been thrown out of her home. She can't kiss her husband. She can't hug her children. She's unclean. She can't go to the market. She can't go to worship on the weekend. She's unclean. But a non-Jewish woman, those rules don't apply to her. She'd fight her way through the crowd. But Jesus cares so much about this woman. He doesn't want superstition to drive her thinking. If she would walk away believing, hey, it was my finger and the cloth of his robe that got me healed, the next time she faced a painful impossibility, she'd shift to superstition again. Jesus wants her to know, hey, it's not your finger. It's not my clothes. It's your response of faith. She told him what she had done. Oh, here we go. There we go. You're good. Go back, Amy. There we go. The woman comes to him frightened, trembling at the realization of what had happened, what had happened to her personally. She came and fell to her knees in front of Jesus. Now she's worshiping. She told him everything. And he said to her, now he's going to heal a daughter. But he says to her, a term of endearment, he calls her Daughter, daughter, it's your faith, not your finger, not my clothes. It's your faith that made you well. Go in 
peace. The Hebrew word is shalom, and it means more than peace of mind. It, it, it involves relational peace, peace in your marriage, peace with your children. It involves financial peace. It, it, it does involve mental and emotional. It, shalom is peace everywhere in your life. He's saying, go home and you get to go back to your house. You get to go hug your husband. You get to go kiss your kids. You get to go back to worship. You get to go back to, go in peace. Your suffering is over. She found out what we need to know. That when we respond to Jesus in faith, we get more than we ask for. When we pray prayers that are responses to his greatness, Jesus, you are creator God who made everything, the earth, the sky, the sea, all that's in them, you made it all out of nothing. Nothing is too difficult for you. When we appeal to his goodness, Lord, you're full of compassion. You love to show mercy. When we respond in faith to his greatness and his goodness, we get more than we ask for. Here's the text. While Jesus was still talking to her, messengers arrived from Jairus' home with the bad news, the sad news that it was too late, over, done. His daughter was dead. And there was no point in Jesus coming now. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like, okay, over, over. No point in praying now, it's done. No point in reading God's word now, it's over. What's the point of baptism now when I've done what I've done? What's the point of baptism? What's the point of public worship? I want to tell you something, friends. Jesus spikes Every prayer, every prayer, every prayer you pray in faith, Jesus spikes with his power and his purpose. Every promise of God that we find in his word, Jesus has buried purpose and power in the promise. Baptism bears the purpose and power of Jesus. Public worship bears the purpose and power of Jesus like nothing else. Amen. Thanks, Mom. So Jesus said, don't be afraid. He didn't want Jairus hearing the bad news, seeing the situation, aware of the circumstances, the way things appeared. He didn't want him to react with fear. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. You see, you can, you can go to fear. You can microwave it. It's a reaction. It's knee-jerk. You don't think about it. You just go to fear. Faith is a process. You keep praying. You keep believing. You keep trusting. You keep acknowledging the greatness and goodness of Jesus. That's what I found 44 years ago in that uh, empty, lonely uh, labor room. I just kept praying. With my head against the door, my forehead, my hands pressing against the door. I just kept praying, Lord, you are able to save my wife and my baby. Please, Lord, help. Lord, if you don't save the baby, at least save Debbie, please. If you, if you don't save Debbie, Lord, I'll still be your man. I'll still love you. I'll still serve you.
the door rattled under my hands. A nurse on the other side of the door said, Mr. Clark. I go outside and there's Debbie on a hospital gurney with a little bundle under her arm. The nurse says, Mr. Clark, look at your wife and baby. Uh, Mrs. Clark, can you tell your husband what you named your son? And Debbie said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> She was whacked out on anesthesia and I wanted some. <laughs> that mumbling is translated Joshua. And little Joshua in her womb had the cord, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. And so with every contraction, she was going deeper into shock and it was strangling Josh. But while they were prepping Debbie for surgery, a nurse saw his little head crown and she reached her fingers in and removed the cord from around his neck. Glory to God, a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Yeah. And now you know how old my son is. If you come back next week, I'll tell you how much he weighs. Um, again, the, the whole lesson, multiple lesson of these accounts are to teach us that when we respond to Jesus in faith, we get more than we ask for. You, me, Jairus. All he asked Jesus for was to heal his daughter of a fever. Jesus is going to raise her from the dead. Here's what happens. The conclusion of the story at Jairus' house. The crowds sarcastically laughed at Jesus. What do you mean? What do you mean? When Jesus announced, she's not dead. This is not the end. That was not the last breath. That was not the last heartbeat. That was not the last moment. Well, Jesus is about up to here with reactions today. So he throws them out. Scripture says uh, he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and three of his disciples. I believe another text tells us it was Peter, James, and John. And I think those were the guys by Jesus that were saying, are you out of your mind? Are you nuts? You're asking who touched you? So he takes those three with him into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. Jesus walked over to the girl dead on her bed and takes her hand. Now, he's about to say two words to her. And if, if you're a mom or a dad and you have a 12-year-old daughter, time for her to get up to go to school, um, you might walk into a room and take her hand and you know maybe brush her arm and say, sweetheart, time to get up. Honey, get up. That's what those words mean. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, it means like sweetheart, little girl, kaum, get up. Talitha kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old. How long had that lady had that hemorrhaging? 12 years. The, the day this little girl came into our world through a bloody birth as every birth is bloody, that woman contracted this hemorrhaging. A woman suffering for 12 years. You see, it's sometimes it's your struggle that Jesus wants to heal in response to your faith. Sometimes it's someone you love. 12 years old, immediately, she stood up and walked around. And here's the response. They were overwhelmed, totally amazed. 
I think that's why Jesus brought you into this room today or brought you online. He wants to overwhelm you with his love. He wants to amaze you in proportion to your faith. Responding with trust in his goodness and his greatness. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.